0: Welcome to The Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm. Here are your hosts, experienced lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs, Heidi Alexander and Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network.
1: Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Legal Toolkit here on The Legal Talk Network. I'm your host... Heidi Alexander. I'm also a law practice advisor with Massachusetts LOMAP. LOMAP provides free and confidential law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP's offerings, visit our website at masslomap.org. So I'll be your trusted guide this month, and next month you'll have my co-host Jared back with you. Here on the Legal Toolkit, we provide you with a new tool each month to add to your own Legal Toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. And of course, this episode of the Legal Toolkit is no different. And I'll have to say, I'm a bit giddy with excitement for today's show because my guest is a star in the technology arena, especially with respect to Apple products. So we'll be chatting with her about the productivity service Evernote and how attorneys can use it in practice. So joining me now is Katie Floyd. Katie is an attorney and co-host of the Mac Power Users podcast with David Sparks, a.k.a. Mac Sparky, where she discusses how to leverage Apple technology. And this podcast, I can assure you, is worth adding to your queue. However, you'll need to be careful because I can tell you that my tech bills have increased exponentially as a result of listening in. So Katie is a regular speaker at Macworld, which is the premier conference for all things Apple. She keeps up a blog on her website, as well as a page for her favorite things, a list of recommended technology for Apple users. Katie uses Evernote in both her professional and personal life as a way to organize and manage files. So after I heard Katie give a presentation on Evernote at the Max in the Law conference, I knew I had to have her on the show to talk about Evernote workflow and how attorneys can use it. So thanks for joining us today and welcome to the show, Katie. Well, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for that introduction. So let's start off by talking about Evernote, the service. So can you give our listeners a quick overview of what Evernote is and what it can do? And I just want you to remember that, unfortunately, not every listener that we have is a Mac user, so we need to speak in terms that are understandable to our PC brethren as well.
2: Well, that's okay in this case, because that's one of the beauties about Evernote is it can be used everywhere. And that's one of my favorite features about Evernote. It can be used on a Mac, it can be used on a PC, it can be used on an iOS device, it can be used on an Android device. It can even be used just in a in a web browser, depending on your web browser of choice. But answering the question of what is Evernote is a little bit harder to do because it's different things for all people. And it can be something very different from you uh, than it is for me, depending on how we use it. A lot of people like to describe Evernote as an everything bucket. And that's one way to think of it, although I tend to like things that are very nice and organized. So the everything bucket kind of jumbles in my mind a little bit. But what you can do with Evernote is you can store bits of information. They can be PDFs, they can be Word documents, they can be images, they can be uh, bits of text, they can be notes that you've typed in, they can be audio files, they can be sound clippings. Just about any type of document or file can be stored inside Evernote. And what makes Evernote extremely powerful is its ability to sync all of these documents, which it calls notes, across all of these various platforms, making it available to you on the Mac, on the PC, on the iPhone, on the iPad, on the Android device, or whatever. And it has extremely powerful search capabilities. So you can take a picture of something on your iPhone, for example, maybe a receipt, throw it into Evernote. And if you think, huh, I think I need that for some reason, you can go up and pull it up years later based on how Evernote has tagged and categorized it and searched it because it has a lot of built-in search capabilities, including the ability to do what's called OCR, including what's called optical character recognition, and pull out information from the documents you put in. It's, It's extremely powerful.
1: So I think that actually leads nicely to my next question. Uh, you did mention OCR. Is OCR only available in the premium version? I know that there are some differences between the free and premium version. You know, I'm wondering what you use. I know in our office we use the premium version, and I can talk about that for a number of different reasons. But you know, what are your thoughts on the, on the difference between those, and what do people need?
2: Well, the basic Evernote service is free. So you can start off using it for free, and many people use it for free. In fact, I think Evernote's business model is most of their users end up using it for free. And if you need it, you can upgrade to the premium service, which I think is $5 a month or $45 a year. And with that premium service, you get some additional benefits. One of the benefits that you get, for example is better searching and smarter OCR. So the basic version of Evernote will do optical character recognition for images that you put into Evernote. So for example, if you snap a picture with your camera of something, it's usually stored as a JPEG image, it will do OCR on that type of image. But let's say you take a PDF, which is a document type that attorneys are probably very familiar with, and put that into Evernote. Evernote will, through its Cloud Sync service, OCR that PDF if you're a premium subscriber. And then you also get some additional features with the premium version of Evernote. And keep in mind, I I don't work for Evernote. I'm not selling Evernote. It's just I'm a fan of their product. You get offline notebooks. So if you want to store things in Evernote, but perhaps you're uncomfortable syncing it to the cloud, let's say you, you need access to that stuff on an airplane or maybe someplace where you don't have wireless access, you can actually store that content directly on your iOS device. And you have sharing capabilities built into Evernote. So if you want to share notebooks between friends and colleagues, you can do that. You can add a passcode lock, which is different than the iOS passcode lock with the premium version of Evernote. And you also get some priority in the OCR queue, and you get some additional storage space and the ability to store larger notes within Evernote. So there are definitely some benefits of being a premium user, other than, of course, just supporting a great product that you use a lot, which I'm a big fan of.
1: Well, thanks for that clarification in terms of the OCR function. Um, You know, one of the features that I like that you discussed was the ability to store offline notes with the premium version. And And I do find that that's nice when I use my iPad, for example, on the train. I can actually have access to my notes. And I think one of the reasons why we switched in our organization to the premium version is that it has a larger upload limit. And I found that we were often up against that monthly limit. But again, you know... As you said, the free service is excellent. And I just want to make a pitch here for a moment. There is a great book that discusses just the generally what Evernote is about and how to use it uh, by Brett Kelly. It's Evernote Essentials. You can get it in the Apple iBook store. But it's a good book for those who are just starting off uh, using Evernote and also for advanced users. So let's get to the meat of this show, because this show is about legal tools. So here's the big question. How can attorneys use Evernote in their practice? So why not just store and organize your files in a folder on your computer? Why use Evernote?
2: Well, you certainly can store and organize files and folders on your, your computer. And in fact, that's what I do for most of my files. All of my client files are in files and folders in my computer. But there are a lot of different types of things that I find Evernote is great for organizing when it comes to my law practice. So I work in a fairly small firm. I think we've got, so I can tell you, we've got six attorneys. And when you're in a fairly small firm, you end up doing a lot of office management type tasks. We, know we don't have a dedicated office manager in our firm. And so you're kind of a jack of all trades when you work in a smaller firm. And so I have a couple of Evernote notebooks related just to firm administration type things. So I can find, for example, our contract with the folks who do our website, and I can find our contract for the folks who do you know, our legal research. And so I've got an Evernote notebook with kind of those types of things, because that's one of my jobs is is managing those types of vendors. And if I need to look up and see when something expires or what the terms are of this agreement, it's just a quick search in Evernote and it's a good place to find those things. Very recently, we just did some renovations in our office and we had the entire office repainted and some other things. And I had the blueprints of our office and a floor plan for our office was scanned and I had that stored in Evernote. And that was invaluable to be able just to pull it up and to be able to share with the contractors either on my iPad or shoot them off an email um, with our office floor plan and say, okay, on this day, you're going to do this. And on this day, you're going to do that. I've got information about our employees, including their, you know, phone numbers and our employee contact list in Evernote so that if I'm even if I'm not at the office, I probably have most of that information in my contacts. But, you know, if I need to get in touch with someone, I can pull it up, whether I'm on my iPhone or whether my iPad or if I'm at my Mac at home and pull up that stuff because it all syncs magically through Evernote. So, I use Evernote quite a bit just with as I do in my own life, just with general administration type things and and sorting through things. So, I've got a huge Evernote catalog just of of what I would call running the law practice type things. But when it gets down to actually practicing law, I have another subcategory of notebooks with an Evernote that I use, and I have developed kind of my own personal case law database within Evernote. So I think we'll talk a little bit about the the structure of how you can organize Evernote a little bit later. But for example, I have notebooks devoted to legal research. And in my area of practice, I do a lot of real estate law. So I have notebooks specifically related to landlord-tenant issues and notebooks specifically related to foreclosure issues and notebooks specifically related to transfer of real property issues or quiet title issues or things that I'm researching a lot, and when I come across a particular case that is a landmark case in that particular area or a case that I find that I may need to cite again, it always gets clipped and it gets saved into Evernote. And through that process, over practicing for a number of years, you know, I've built my own case library within Evernote that's very easy to search. I know that some of my more senior attorneys have these old file and folder index systems where they've built their own case library. And I realized, wow, I've just kind of replicated that within Evernote. So I can search of, gosh, I remember this was a a case regarding notice for this particular landlord tenant issue. I know this has come up before. Sure enough, I've got a case related to that in Evernote. And then I have kind of replicated that similar structure where I save forms and I save samples. So if I go to a conference and people will pass around forms or sample documents that I think might be useful in my practice, I'll scan those in and I'll save them to Evernote. And that's a place that I can go when I'm looking for something that maybe I haven't done before and I don't have in my own forms database.
1: So clearly, this can be a very powerful tool when you use it in your practice. And and I suppose if you are using it to share with other attorneys in your practice, the ability to share your research, share forms, share these samples, it, again, is quite powerful. And I just wanted to clarify here because I know I've seen some attorneys who have gotten a bit frustrated trying to use Evernote as a to-do or task list. And that's not how you see Evernote. Is that right? I don't. I know some people use Evernote that
2: way. Unfortunately, my task list is a little more complicated. (laughs) I think maybe if you were a student or if you maybe didn't have as complex a set of tasks as I do, or most attorneys I think probably do, I think you could use Evernote as a task list, but I crave the day when I could use a, a system like Evernote for my task list.
1: So I know you've spoken about using Evernote also in your personal life. You know, can you talk just very briefly about how you do that?
2: Evernote is where everything is for my personal organization. I went paperless several years ago. That is uh, my friend David Sparks and I, who's my co-host on the Mac Power Users that you referenced earlier. We have great debates about whose system is better. And I don't know that any one is better. They're just different. But he stores all of his documents in a complex series of files and folders on his computer and keeps them in Dropbox, and I store mine in in Evernote. And, And both systems have their advantage. But, you know, for example, I keep all of my statements, whether they're bank statements or utility statements or, you know, just any of those statements that you get on a monthly basis or however they come, those either get scanned with a scanner and put into Evernote, or most of those statements now actually come electronically. So I just download them directly into Evernote. The structure that I keep is I have a... Top level folder called accounting, and in that I have subfolders for information related to insurance, information relating to retirement, general statements, and then I keep a statement each year for tax receipts. So as I'm doing my taxes right now, I have a tax receipts 2013 folder that I'm combing through, but once my taxes are filed, that will get archived, and I've already created my tax receipts 2014 folder. So anytime I buy something or have a receipt for something that I think may be tax related, it gets thrown in there. So that's kind of boring, but it's necessary. Um, I also have a family category for Evernote, and I have Evernote folders uh, set up for all the important people in my life. So being the attorney in the family, I tend to keep copies of everybody's important documents. So, you know, I've got their wills, their trusts, their deeds, and all of that important stuff, copies of them, at least in Evernote or copies of other important family documents I keep there. So those are the types of things. I've got my car maintenance records in Evernote. But I also have some fun stuff in Evernote too. I'm not much of a cook, but I do have a couple of recipes. So I have all of my recipes are in Evernote. There's not much, but there are a few. And then I have a category that's kind of fun that I call keepsakes. And it's things that I probably don't need to keep physical copies of forever. And if I did, it would just become overwhelming. But maybe it's a nice note that I got from somebody, you know, as attorneys, we don't always get nice notes from people. Sometimes we get nasty notes from people. But uh, every now and then I just like to go through there and say, huh, somebody likes me one day, and browse through that folder. And and look at those various keepsakes or or whatnot. And I've got a folder in there for Evernote. And then, of course, I have a whole technology folder within Evernote. Some of those folders I share with my podcasting partner, David Sparks, where we help coordinate our podcast. We have shared Evernote folders where we share things related to the planning of the show. So he can put something in the folder or I can put something in that folder, and it will get shared between our various Evernote accounts.
1: So hopefully when my users start using Evernote, they can be as organized as you (laughs) We'll hope.
2: <laughs> yeah, I hope. Well, and, th- and then the other thing, the big one is I have a whole house category. So when I decided to paint the wall in my kitchen red, if I ever need to touch that up again, the first thing I did is I took a picture of the top of the paint can, you know, where they put all the, the codes that say this is how you make this color paint, and
1: uh-huh. that
2: went into Evernote. And, you know, I took a picture of the crown molding that I put up, and that went into Evernote. And, you know, so all the stuff related to my house and all the manuals that I might need to figure out one day, all that stuff went into Evernote. And it's great. I've used that because sometimes when you're you know, in aisle 14 at Lowe's and you think, I need to get this particular thing, but what is it? I just pull it up in Evernote and say, oh, okay, that's what it is. Yeah.
1: Great ideas. So let's take a quick break here and talk about show sponsorship. Folks, the Legal Toolkit is seeking sponsors, so get to it. You could hear your advertisement right here. What could be better? So, if you're interested, contact the team at Logical at infological.com. At Welcome back to the second half of our program. We're joined today by Katie Floyd, attorney, Apple expert, and co host of Mac Power Users Podcast. So now that we have an idea of what Evernote is and how we can use it, let's get down to the nitty gritty and talk about how the Evernote components and organization works, because that's what I'm really excited about here. So we've got notes, we've got notebooks, and we've got stacks. So how do you recommend that folks use these to organize their files?
2: Well, I think we first have to realize that there are probably two different types of people in this world. And David and I, when we did a show on this for Mac Power users, we called them hunters and gatherers. Are you the type of person that you like to hunt around for your files? You take all of your files and you dump them in one big folder and you know that they're in there somewhere and you either use the search function to go find them or you use some other method and, and you go hunting for them and you find them. And there's some people who do that very effectively because search has become extremely powerful now and is very powerful in Evernote. And then there are other people who are more gatherers, who take all their files and sometimes to an extreme, and I count myself among them, who will have these levels and levels and levels and levels of files and folders, and you may have to go 12 folders deep before you find that thing that you are looking for, but you know exactly where it is because you have this very meticulous organizational structure. So Evernote will accommodate both people, but they only let you go so deep. So as you alluded to with Evernote, what they do is Evernote calls, and I'm going to call them folders, but Evernote calls them notebooks, which are essentially like folders. And then Evernote also has what's called notebook stacks. So Evernote allows you to organize things into a file and folder structure. Again, they call them notebooks, but only so deep. So you can only go up to two levels deep in Evernote which some people may find a little limiting, but I think if you're someone like me who might otherwise have 12 folders deep of something buried in Evernote, it's probably good that they put some kind of restriction on you. So as I talked about in my example with my accounts, I have a folder stack called Accounts, notebook stack called accounts. I keep calling them folders, but they're notebooks in Evernote. And then inside, I have individual notebooks for my uh, retirement documents, my statements, and other things related to accounts. And you can drag things and save them directly into these notebooks and these various notebook stacks. So notebook stack is just a grouping of notebooks. And then a notebook is just like a folder that you can store documents in. You can have as many, or I guess the fewest you can have is one, but you can have as many or as few as you like. Notebook also has tagging, and tagging is something that I probably don't take full advantage of with Evernote, but some people are big users of tags, and so you can also search Evernote by tag. So for example, while I have a tax receipts 2013 folder, or 2014 now, I guess, Some people may organize their receipts into categories and then just tag them tax, if that makes sense. So I put all of my receipts into a particular folder, but other people may organize their receipts by, you know, things for the home, things for the car, things for the kids or things like that. And if it's something that was potentially tax deductible, you could add a tag to it called tax 2014 or, or whatever you wanted to call the tag. So tags are different criteria that you can apply as many as you would like to a particular item. So you might have a tag called home. You might have a tag called taxes. You might have a tag called work. You might have a tag called utilities and tags. You can also search by a particular tag. And so you can group all of the notes that you have by a particular tag, or you can group by a number of different tags. So Those are the different types of organization methods that Evernote gives you. And then Evernote has extremely powerful search, and it's just gotten even more powerful with the recent update of Evernote. So it will allow you to search if you have the premium version, again, within specific documents. So you can search within if you've got a PDF or a Word document within Evernote. Or you can just search your tags or your titles of documents. Or if you've typed text into Evernote directly, it will search all of that text too. And it does a really good job of finding documents by search. So you can be the type of person like me who's very nitty gritty about filing things into specific notebooks right off the bat, or just kind of throw it all in there and then let search handle it for you.
1: Well, thanks. I think that's a great explanation. I have to say that I think of myself as a gatherer who likes to use tags when it comes to Evernote. And the way that I use them is I actually have a resources notebook. And uh, a lot of what I do uh, with clients is I point them to different resources because I consult with clients and I have to say, okay, here's uh, a resource on this topic, here's a resource on this topic. So what I find myself doing is when I see something that's interesting, something that I know I'm going to need to come back, to, I save it into that Evernote notebook resources and I tag it with a certain category, for example, cloud or Mac or iOS or productivity, uh, whatnot. So I, I definitely like that tagging feature. And I have to say that I, I love the hunter gatherers reference. And I first heard about that in David's book, Paperless, which I should make a pitch for. If you're going paperless, you should check out this ebook. I actually just did a review of it for uh, attorney at work, but it's great analogy. So, let's move on here and talk about Evernote as a cloud service because as attorneys, you know, of course, we always have questions about security. So, in your opinion, how secure is this service if, you know, you're willing to give it? Are there steps attorneys can take to ensure greater security? And then third, what can users do to make sure that if something happens to their data in the cloud, they have a backup? Because I know from listening to you know, Mac Power users, you have backups coming out of your ears. <laughs> so give us your expert opinion here.
2: Well, the first thing I will tell you is you need to consult your bar association, because different states have different rules on all of these things. Florida is still struggling with this. And I think many states are still struggling with this whole cloud computing idea. And have Florida's really yet to publish any guidelines other than use your best judgment. Okay, good luck with that. It's like, oh, thank you, that's helpful. But there are a couple of things that you can do and should do with Evernote, just tools that Evernote offers to help you with security. One of the things that Evernote offers is something called two-step verification. And people may be familiar with that. I think it was really popularized by uh, Google who uses it with their Gmail service. So two-step verification. The idea behind that is instead of just having a username and a password to get access to your Evernote account, you now have to have one more thing. So the idea being that, Heidi, if you were a hacker and you figured out my username and password for my Evernote account, and you decided that you were going to log in from your computer, that information would do you absolutely no good unless you also had my cell phone because Evernote would detect a login from your computer and say, um, I don't know you, this is not a computer I'm used to. In order for you to access this account, please enter your verification code, and I'm going to send it to Katie's cell phone that she registered. And it would send me a verification code that I would have to input, and I would say, huh, why is Evernote sending me this verification code that would be a clue to me that that something had happened? So I would turn on two-step verification Just because I, with the type of information that I personally keep in Evernote, and it's more my personal information versus my client's information, why not? Some of the most important information I have is in Evernote, and I I think that is important. You can also, with an Evernote, if you're concerned or you think that something may have been compromised within the Evernote web interface, you can view your access history to see who was in your account, or it's going to assume that you were in your account, but when people and what computers were last in your account. So you can look at things like that. And also upgrading to premium, one of the benefits of that is you get an additional passcode lock on your iPhone. So if you haven't already, every attorney out there who has an iOS device, you need to have a passcode lock on your iPhone and you need to set up Find My iPhone so that in the event you lose your iPhone or your iPad, you can remotely wipe it. But Evernote, if you have the premium version, also gives you the ability to set a separate four-digit pen to get into your Evernote account. So even if you got my iPhone, and even if you knew what my passcode was to get into my iPhone, you wouldn't be able to access any of the information in my Evernote account unless you also knew that PIN, which, here's a tip, should not be the same PIN as what you use to get into your iPhone. And then just standard security precautions in terms of, you know, use good, strong passwords and don't duplicate the same password across multiple devices and multiple services, because if your password does get compromised, And these things are happening more and more frequently now. I think this is going to be the new normal. The first thing that an attacker is likely going to do is going to be use your username and password combination on multiple other websites where they're going to try to get information about you. So just don't use the same password across multiple sites. But as far as the whole cloud thing, I think that's a determination that people are going to have to make for themselves. I personally don't keep my client information in Evernote Part of that is just a function of that's not how I use Evernote. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm uncomfortable doing that, but that's just not really how I use it, and I'm still kind of waiting for our bar to to come out with, with stronger guidance before I do. I don't know, did I skate around that question well enough for you?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a perfect attorney answer. No, those are great, great security tips. And my only other question there is in terms of backup, how do you ensure that your data is safe when you're using Evernote, you know, you make sure that you have multiple backups. How do you do that?
2: Well, Evernote, the service in and of itself kind of backs itself up because it syncs across multiple devices. Now, if you accidentally delete a note, it's going to stay in the trash until you empty the trash. So if you accidentally delete a critical note and then you accidentally delete the tr- empty the trash, well, you may be in trouble. If you have a premium account, the Evernote support folks may be able to help you for a certain period. But assuming that that information syncs with your computer, if you have a backup of the data on your computer, it is likely retrievable so long as that backup hasn't been Overwritten. So I use a number of backup methods. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's retrievable. Just don't delete stuff and empty your trash unless you're absolutely sure you don't need it. But I use a couple of different backups. I like using backups that are automated, that have redundancy, meaning I like to use multiple different backup methods. And I also like to use backup methods that have some period of time where it will go back in time because I may not realize that I've done something that I shouldn't have done until a week or a couple of days later. So I use a combination of backups. Mac users are fortunate in that we've got Time Machine built in, but there are many other services available. I use an off-site backup service called CrashPlan. I think Backplays is another good one as well that will keep copies of documents. I think CrashPlan will do it indefinitely, but most services will at least do it for some period of time that if you found out that you deleted something, you could potentially restore your Evernote database to a prior state, if you could pull that data out of a backup somewhere. The other thing is, if you're concerned, you can always export your Evernote data on a regular basis. That's not something I do, because I feel pretty comfortable with my backup methods. But it is something that could be done.
1: So of course, we could do an entire show just on backups here. So yeah, we've done three of them. (laughs) Yeah. So check out Mac Power users. There's so much more here we could talk about in terms of using Evernote. So I just want to ask you if there are any Any other sort of last-minute tips that you'd like to share with our users about your use of Evernote or recommended use of Evernote? Gosh, I could give you so many tips. Probably the best tip
2: I have is the one that you've already given, and that's go pick up Brett Kelly's book, Evernote Essentials. It's the book that I read when I was trying to learn more about Evernote, and it has helped me more than anything. A couple other tips that I'll, I'll give you for what it's worth, and it took me a while to figure out some of these. One is Evernote gives you a default notebook that if you don't tell something to go into a specific notebook, this is the default notebook that everything will go into. And I've named that notebook dot inbox, or you could name it at inbox or whatever. And I do that just so Evernote organizes things alphabetically and I do that so it stays at the top of the list alphabetically. And Things shouldn't stay in the inbox notebook for me. You know, I think of it just like I do a physical inbox in my desk. It's for me to process. But if I type a quick note in Evernote or if I take a picture of something with the Evernote camera, it goes into that inbox and I know I've got to do something with it. So that's that's a good tip that I use with Evernote. Evernote also has some add-ons and extras, including... A great web extension, the Evernote Clipper, that you can use if you're on the web to clip sections of websites or to clip entire web pages. And that's definitely something worth installing. They have extensions for pretty much all of the major web browsers now that you can install. If you pull a lot of documents offline or pull PDFs offline, you can use that to save directly to Evernote. The other thing is that everybody who has an Evernote account also can activate an Evernote email address. So it will be, you know, your username and then a random string of numbers at Evernote.com or something like that. And if you activate that Evernote email address, anything you email to that address will show up in your default Evernote notebook, or in this case, the inbox. That's a great way to get things into Evernote. So I'll sometimes forward emails that I've received to that Evernote email address or send an email to somebody and blind copy the Evernote email address to make sure that if I want a copy of that and keep it in my Evernote database for whatever reason that it gets there. And those are probably a couple of my best tips for Evernote.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned the default notebook because I have to say that one of the first things I did after hearing you speak was set up that at inbox. And I also use that email, uh, the email to Evernote most of the time because I find that the iOS, the save to Evernote is not very reliable. And so I tend to email web pages to myself and then they just appear in that inbox and then I can sort them after that.
2: Oh, and for attorneys, one that just came out that I need to to recommend, I don't know about you, but I get handed a lot of business cards regularly. And Evernote just upgraded their iOS app, has a really good business card scanner in it now, where it will scan business card information into Evernote. So I've heard this set up a couple of different ways. Bradley Chambers, who's a, a tech writer also on the web, says that he uses Evernote as a Rolodex. And so he keeps information, things that are information that he wants, but he doesn't necessarily want in his contacts app on his phone. He keeps an Evernote so he knows that he can get to it quickly. So you can do that. You can snap a business card and it will pull the information out and save a copy of the card. And you can save it to a a special, whether you want to call it Rolodex or, or business card notebook, you can do that. Or you can tell it to pull the information out of this card and save it to your contacts. And it is remarkably accurate that if you handed me your business card, I could scan a picture of it with Evernote. It would save it to my business card notebook and then pull your information out of it and then save that to my contacts. So now
1: you're in my contacts. It's great. That is great. So while I'd love to continue this conversation, of course, it looks like we've reached the end of another thrilling episode of The Legal Toolkit. So remember, though, that you can check out all of our shows anytime you'd like at legaltalknetwork.com. And thank you to attorney and Mac Power Users podcast co-host Katie Floyd for taking the time to drop by our virtual studio. Katie, if any of our listeners want to find out more about you and the Mac Power Users podcast that we referenced, how would they go about doing so? Well, the
2: best place is to just go to the website. The website for the podcast is macpowerusers.com, or you can just search in iTunes for Mac Power Users or whatever your favorite podcatcher is of choice, and you'll be able to find us there. We produce a show every week. And my personal site is at katiefloyd.me, dot me, and you can find links to my blog, links to my favorite things, and uh, all kinds of things where I do write regularly about Evernote.
1: Yeah, definitely check out her favorite things because she's got some great productivity and organizational tools there. So thanks again, Katie, and thanks to everyone out there online for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Heidi and Jared for their next podcast covering the current business trends for law firms.